What's up, you beauties? Welcome to High and Wide Radio, episode 11, season 6. I'm your host, Jay Wankavone, and I'll be joined by my partner, Jack Smith, in just a little bit. If you're watching the show live on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed and set an alert for future shows. And if you're listening as a podcast, make sure you're subscribed uh, and listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to get your notifications for future episodes the minute we upload them. Uh, it's Spotify Wrapped Day, so that's pretty cool. If you guys have us in your uh, Wrapped, feel free to you know give us a shout out. Maybe we'll uh, give you a prize or something. That stuff's pretty cool. We appreciate that stuff. Uh, of course, we appreciate all of our listeners. Uh, I think I posted our stats over on my Instagram. So if you have Instagram and you're not following me, uh, it's the same as Twitter at Jim Ike HW. We have a plethora of topics, as always, to talk about tonight. Um, obviously, there's a lot of talk about the Flyers rebuild, and I'm going to have fun talking about that one. I think it's a scary world when I'm the voice of reason here, boys and girls. All right? We need the. I think as fans, we get too lost in the moment, right? The whole rebuild thing sounds great. We love when other teams do it. But when the Flyers are doing it, and they are doing it, fans can't really handle it. They, this is going to be a long three years, four years, if every single night you're going to have people crying about Zamula missing a game or two. Oh, what's it going to do to his development? Give me a break, dude. All right? If Frost misses a handful of games, right? The guy's been around for how long? Right? He's been over it's over 100 and some odd games now. Let's check his hockey DB out. We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit. Um, Morgan Frost has been in the NHL. He's played 170 games. Okay? Two seasons now. Um, well, we got a lot of topics. Noah Kate's going to miss some time. Power play, still struggling. Maybe we have some ideas with that. Um, I want to talk about the Sean, uh, Sean Walker, who if you guys have been listening to us since back in June, which uh, I know a lot of you guys have, you knew that this was a guy that could potentially take advantage of his opportunity with the Philadelphia Flyers, and he's done, he's done that, which is you love to see. It's a great thing to see. So we'll talk about Sean Walker and what we want to do uh, with him. And um, what else do we got? We got Corey Perry saga, right? If you haven't heard that, about that by now, um, it's been released. He's, I think he's, what was it? I don't think his contract was terminated yet, um, but he's no longer a Chicago Blackhawk. So we'll, we'll talk about that once Jack gets on. <clears throat> Um, I do want to talk about the power play, as I mentioned. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, Alex Ovechkin. Made some comments. I think it was actually last week mentioned these things. Uh, I saved the league, something like that. If you guys heard this, are you guys in the comments? Let me check. Hey, we got some guys in the comments. Hey, we have Dave. Jimmy, what's up, man? What's up, Dave? Eric, you can rebuild and win at the same time. <laughs> Dave just adding in. Perry is a prick. Yes, he is. So. While we wait for Jack, let's kind of talk about Eric's comment here. You can rebuild and win at the same time. 
so I would love to hear what, what, so we have a couple people watching. I would love to hear your guys' thoughts on Eric's comment there, because I don't, I don't know if I agree. Um, I guess the argument would be, you know, you can win games, just hit on your draft picks, right? And there was an example, I think, on Twitter where somebody was arguing that the Flyers need to lose games, essentially tank, and somebody used the example of Nolan Patrick going second overall, and then uh, 30-some-odd picks later when the Dallas Stars drafted um, Jason Robertson at 39, who would you rather have, Jason Robinson or Nolan Patrick? I don't even know where Nolan Patrick is anymore. I don't think I, he's not playing hockey. Um, so I, I understand that point where it's hey, just head on your picks. Um, I also understand the lower you finish, the higher odds you have of picking, you know, better talent. Um, Eric also chimes in here. I don't. I mean, don't buy, just make good future trades while putting your team on the ice. Yeah, and absolutely. And that's kind of that's kind of what we're seeing this year. We talked about that a little bit last episode where they're kind of walking the fine line. And, you know, they're, they're trying to establish a culture, right? It's still, in, it's still in progress while they're also doing the rebuild thing. And they are doing that, right? But, um... It's a process, and maybe it's today's world where, you know, we have such, you know, there the process has to play out to get to the end goal. You can't just wake up one day, say you're going to rebuild, and then wake up the next day and it's done. That that's not how you can't simulate a season overnight. It's not NHL. This is this is real life stuff. The season has to play out. So what they did in the offseason was, I mean, number one, they got a guy like Sean Walker back in the trade for Provorov, which instantly in my mind went to, this is a guy they're going to be able to flip next year, right? A lot of people go, oh, capped him, capped him. I watched him play a little bit. He's a solid player. Didn't have the same opportunity in Los Angeles. Was hurt a little bit towards the end. But, I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out. This is a decent player. He's a right-handed defenseman. You put him in a situation where he has minutes in Philadelphia and he's going to be one of the veteran guys. To me, it was an easy projection as a top-four guy on the Flyers. And he's taken advantage of his opportunities, so good for him. Um, Eric Stahl. I'm sorry, Eric Stahl. I wish Eric Stahl. Um, what the hell is this guy's name? Mark Stahl was a, a signing in the offseason, a Garnet Hathaway they signed for two years. So I'm not sure they're going to move Hath Hathaway this year. Maybe next. He's part of the culture change guy. Um, Mark Stahl is a guy that I think for sure they're going to look to move at the deadline for anything. Um, and they'll they'll get something, you know, whether it's fifth, sixth, seventh round pick, it's going to be something. Um, and then who else? Wasn't there one more guy? Stahl, Hathaway, Walker. I'm, I'm missing one, I think. But, uh, oh, Ryan Paling, the, the fourth-line center that's kind of getting bumped up and down the lineup now, 20, 24 years old. This is not an, old, an older guy. Same thing. He signed a one-year deal in Philly, bet on himself, and he's playing well. Will he be here after this year? I'm not sure. See, I would more – people are talking about 
potentially signing Sean Walker. I would look at Paling as a guy to potentially sign. You need to lock down that fourth line center role. The Flyers are not a team that are deep at center. See, this is like, I, I guess it's easy because Sean Walker is the shiny new toy right now. He looks very good. I'm going to bring Jack in. Hey, Jack. Can we give you a second? I'll give Jack one second. So, uh, yeah, Walker's kind of the, the shiny the shiny toy right now where he's, he's playing extremely well, you know, and understandably so, fans are getting a little attached to him because he's, he's good and he's new. He's the guy everyone wants to watch. Um, whereas Ryan Paling, you know, the fourth-line guy, people are hating on him because he's taking playing time away from Morgan Frost or whatever you want to call it. Um, Flyers are not deep at center. I would be maybe looking at Paling to potentially extend. People aren't going to like that because he's a one-year deal guy. <clears throat> but he's a guy where you can go, okay, if they sign him for two years, uh, <clears throat> a low number, he can help your team. Or if they move him at the deadline, fine. I'm not sure what you're going to get for a fourth-line center, um, maybe third-round pick, something like that. Um, Jack, are you ready to go? Give me a head nod. All right, here he is. Can you hear me? You can, buddy. All right, I can hear you. That's good. Uh, sorry from late. All good. It it is we're my... doing a little... Okay, sorry. No, no. It is my 36th birthday tomorrow, so... Oh, we go somewhere early today. birthday. It'll be the same bit. age for a couple months. Hey, all right. <laughs> no cups. <laughs> no cups. 36, no cups. Okay, what I miss? Ah, we're just talking a little bit of rebuild, believe it or not. The uh, title heard, of the episode, Rebuild's Over. Yeah, I was just going to say, I heard the rebuild is dead. Samola's <laughs> out. We're done. It's over. Right. Let's go Insane, for it. Insane, isn't it? So we want to, you know, everyone's crying about Zamula. All of a sudden, we want to sign Sean Walker to four-year deals, you know, and he's only going to get about, a, a million-dollar raise, apparently. Talk about a small sample size. Yeah, I was going to say, he's going to play like that. He's got a free – he'll be a free agent. He's going to sign for just a mil more when he's probably trying to hit his best potential contract of his career at 29 years old. He's going to cash in for nothing. Yeah, I don't see that happening. Um, and Zamula, yeah, because he was a big prize prospect of ours. To be honest with you, I never saw anything in the guy outside of his overall potential and size until the little bit I saw this year. That was the most I've seen out of him was the little bit we saw this year. So, um, oh, thank you, Shadow, for the happy birthday. I appreciate that. Yeah, so interesting. So Zamula, and I want to get to a couple more of the comments here, guys. Um, Zamula, so Zamula's played in 17 of 22 games. I expect him to play tomorrow, be 18 of 23. So he's only missed five. Um, I don't think he's shown continuous improvement. Now, it's only a quarter of the way through the season. We'll get on our quarter grades, you know, later on in the show. But um, honestly, I thought there were times where he looked better last season. He looked good maybe the first five, six games this year, and now he's kind of been, you know, he's got the Morgan Frost syndrome going on, kind of up and down like a toilet seat, you know. So I think it's okay to sit a guy one or two games, maybe give him a mental reset. Hey, this is, you know, watch so-and-so. This is what we need from you. And, um. With Zamula, it's, I mean, Torts has said it. 
he's not hiding anything with Zamula. He needs him to be quicker with the puck. His brain is processing, but his body's not making the play, you know? So, and it's the same story. It's been the same thing with Zamula. I guess for me, the thing that bothers me the most is because he was removed from the lineup, the rebuild's done. I don't understand any culture, any, any sport, anything, where the idea is to, we're rebuilding, so every young person should play at every position, no matter how poorly they play, no matter how bad they are, their position is is safe. They can do whatever they want because they're young and they need to develop. Um, I do not understand how that makes sense. If somebody's okay. playing poorly, you need to understand that your job is not you're not tenured into your position. You can be you can lose your job. You can be pulled to be giving the keys to the kingdom without the worry of having it removed is absolutely ridiculous. So these people who are freaking out that, oh, they removed him, they took this guy, they did this, they did that, blows my mind. You want to make an argument about what's going on with Frost? Yeah, I get it. We've been talking about it for weeks. That's a little different. That's a little weird. That's also unique. What's going on with guys like Zumula is not unique. You do not let guys into your lineup who are not ready. And yeah, give them a cup of coffee. Give them a shot. Bring them back in at some point. But you don't just let them run rough shot the entire season, making mistakes, not accounted for, and think that's okay just because you're rebuilding. None of that makes any sense, even if it like affects your overall team and you get a higher draft pick. Because even those draft picks, they miss. They miss a lot. I'd rather build properly and try to hit on my draft picks and identify good people in the draft than just have slop out there losing every night, not learning anything because they're getting hammered. It just doesn't make any sense. No. And so Dave mentions here, Eric's point is valid as you can still show your team winning is a priority. Eric made a point earlier that um, you can rebuild and win at the same time. Um, and I wasn't sure I necessarily agreed. I think there's a fine line to walk. Um, the flyers certainly are not tanking which uh, Dave mentions here, tanking breeds uh, shitty culture. And that's the thing. Like, it wasn't that long ago, Jack, where I don't know if we talked about it on the show or not, where um, I think it was Scott Lawton getting body slammed at center ice by Brady Kachuk or Oscar Lindblom had to stick up for himself because, you know, he was getting checked or whatever all over the ice after just coming back from, from cancer. You remember how we used to make fun of this team, like, a lot? Like, we were actually embarrassed – um, so the, the culture has changed and it still is changing. Um, and the players need to know that winning and Dave mentions it here, winning is a priority, even if, you know, they're not going to win 50 games, 45 games. The goal is to win always. And if that's not a priority for your younger players, we'll be in the same spot we were in before all this. I mean, Ivan Provorov, right? He kind of grew up through the, some of the, those years and, you know, was guaranteed playing time and this and that and, you know, only wanted to play on the power play and got whatever he wanted and, and look what happened. The guy had all the potential in the world and I don't think he ever lived up to it. Do we want that again? We're, I, I feel like they're doing things the correct way, I guess, with this rebuild. They're at least better than it was done before. I mean – they didn't even rebuild last time, no matter what anybody tells you. 
They traded how many players off a of winning or winning or going for a team? Braden Coburn, which they got one of the greatest returns I would have ever imagined. And that's it. They didn't trade Drew. They didn't trade Vortechek. They didn't trade any of their top guys. They made do with whatever they had. And you saw top picks of the draft did not pan out. Proveroff and Nolan Patrick are number one and number two on that list. And a lot of that has to do with they were put into a culture, and that's the key word here, culture, winning today, winning now, having a coach that doesn't accept losing or trying to lose or not caring if you win or don't win. That's what culture is. When these young players come into a good culture that only accepts your best and attempting to win instead of, oh, whatever, we're rebuilding, do whatever you want. You typically don't get the country club aspect that this team has been known for. What blows my mind is people are like, do you not remember what happened not that long ago at all? Are you, did you just completely block it out? Like you have to have some kind of structure. These players need to have that structure to come into that before they can play their game and feel comfortable and confident. You just go in there and get your your doors blown off and expect to play your game fine. None of that makes sense. No other teams do that. No other teams also went with the Flyers went through, especially big market teams. None of that stuff makes any sense. Everybody showed up to collect a paycheck, to just hang out. And even when they did kind of get good, there were certain players, Voracek, who could have been a lot better when they should have been and weren't because they almost were already mentally checked out. And you you have you bring young guys into a culture like that, that's where you wind up with Proveroff. That's where you wind up with Nolan Patrick. That's where you wind up with all these guys. And they didn't even properly rebuild. Now we're in a situation where you should bring in be bringing in multiple guys of this nature. Some of them are already here. They did a pretty decent job at that rate. We're doing what we're doing this year, overachieving, because that is what it is. It's overachieving no matter how you slice it. And Mitchkoff and Gautier aren't even here yet. So imagine what it could be if you have a winning culture, you add these kids. Yes, I get it. We need a center or two still. Uh, I get it. We need more defensemen, particularly still a number one. But, yeah, but it's all got to happen in one season, Jack. Rome wasn't built in a day, Mr. <laughs> Italian. It wasn't built in a day. And you know what? They needed a number one defenseman when they drafted Proveroff in number seven. How'd that turn out? It all has to happen in one year, yada, yada. I was talking before you came on that when you hear rebuild, we're talking seasons here. We're not talking – see, maybe people don't realize that. And, I, and, and I'm not talking to you, know, you or I, but I'm trying to understand where people come from when they get, a, when they get so angry about, you know, this guy's not playing tonight. Oh, my God. Like, dude, a rebuild's going to take – like, this is what people asked for here. I just want to make sure that they know this. A rebuild – doesn't happen in one season. This is so, going to be two, three, who knows, four. And if they don't get it right, it could never end. There's two thought. There's two trains of thoughts here. There's the don't draft Mitchkoff, take Ryan Leonard, which we would have been fine with if Mitchkoff wasn't available. Sure. Take him. And I want those people to explain to me how this rebuild is supposed to work. Because other than that, you do take Mitchkoff. And you know you got at least you got three years, or hopefully sooner. You got three years until he just gets here. It's not like he's going to arrive and he's Lindros. Like he's going to get here, and you still got some building to do. So we know that there's three years before this thing really gets going. We are 22 games into those three years, and people have already pressed the dump button. Do you know how yeah. stupid that is? Are you serious? <laughs> that is idiotic to me. And it's not like they took like we're doing this with Forrester, who was a first round pick. 
No, it's Samula, <laughs> who was an undrafted free agent. Come on, man. Like this. The same stopped. people that were upset over Zamula wanted Forrester benched, which makes no sense at all. So, like, the kid's struggling, or, or he's not scoring goals, but he's doing everything else right. So you want to sit him. Makes no sense, man. Some of these people uh, don't make any sense. You know, if, if you guys want to follow them and, you know, watch their shows, great. They don't make any sense to me, though. What, what some of these guys are saying. Um, oh, I, I do want to get some of these comments here. Uh, Eric goes, you can't trade all your vets in one season. Takes time. Kids need vets to learn. Exactly. So there was a comment. Uh, I forget who it was on Twitter. And he goes, I would like to see this guy, this guy, this guy. It was six guys he wanted traded at the deadline. And I'm like, that is not going to happen. Yeah. Right? Um, and, and half of the guys were on multi-year deals. I think one was Atkinson, one was Lawton, and uh, I can't recall the other guy, but maybe maybe two, three at the absolute tops will get moved at the deadline. Like It just doesn't happen like that. Um, the multi-year guys are easier to trade in the offseason, right? Um, so I, I'm just – I know as fans we like to get emotional. We have all these irrational ideas that come up throughout the season, but it's like, dude, when have you seen six guys get traded at the trade deadline? From one you team. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, like what are we what are we talking about here? Um I mean, it's good. It's what I typically do is I go into the trade deadline with a list like that, but realistically hoping for two. You know what I mean? I want Atkinson, Sealer, Walker, um, you know, whoever else to get moved. But I know that if I get one, I'm disappointed, but still somewhat satisfied. The zero is like you're just screwing up. You're a Fletcher at that point. <clears throat> but two is not bad. You know, I'll take that. Because again, anybody in the multi-year deal, you still have the offseason. Anybody in an expiring deal, you move that deal. It's what you do. So they I'll go in with a lofty list, hoping for a lot, but I realistically expect one for sure, and maybe two. And you can work with that. That's realistic. And you know who needs to move on from this team. And you can still gauge interest. We saw this with the wrist line and deal when we acquired him in that offseason. The deal was made like the parameters of that deal was in place at the trade deadline. It didn't go into effect to the offseason. There's nothing wrong with that. But that's why I have a list of players that need to be on the block and trade this set, work on this set by next year. If of that six players, three or four are moved and you're in a full blown rebuild, now you're in business. So I'm not going to, it's not a, if they don't move this many players by this time, I'm going to blow up. But you want to, you at least want to see that they're moving in that direction, and everything this organization has done and said proves that they're going to do that. I expect to this still. I expect Walker to be moved. Like I, I know that's a topic of conversation. Oh, he's 29 years old, I believe. He's on a, um, he's only making like two and change, which is real cheap. Like right, by the time the trade deadline comes, that might even, that's like a million million bucks. Flyers end up retaining money, yada yada. Even if they have to, it's so cheap. You almost don't think you have to, but they will if they have to. Mm -hmm. But like you can guess for sure, get something for that. On the flip side, you resign him. This team's not, it does, Mishkov doesn't arrive and they're ready to go. In three years, he's 32 years old. Yeah. How much longer until they're actually ready to go? Now he's 34, God forbid, 35. 
That doesn't make sense. It, it, it Could it work out? Sure. Why roll the dice? Get the assets you can, especially he's playing as good as he is. You can't lose in, in this regard, especially if you're smart with your assets, as you alluded to earlier at the trade deadline, potentially moving up in the draft or whatever you, whatever you decide to do with it. Draft picks are universal currency. Use it appropriately, like, and, and you're good. And hanging on to a guy, hoping he's there for when you try to actually win, who has n- very little track record of sustaining this kind of play. It's just, it's a fool's errand. It's it's a low percentage move that I don't see them doing. I think it's smart to move on from why he can't strike while the iron is hot. It's very easy to say he's going to be great now because he's playing well. well. It's really that simple. <clears throat> so if Justin Braun can get you a second and a third, Sean Walker's got to get you what? Right? Like, just as an example, like, <clears throat> teams get weird for defensemen, especially right-handed defensemen, and especially at the, tra- at the trade deadline. I mean, I know we're a couple months away from that's going to be down the road. If teams are calling on him now, I'm listening, 100%. Um, you have to be. If, if See, this is the fine line because you want to change the culture. You want the team to, you know, hey, we're, we're going for wins here. Same time though, if someone's calling on Sean Walker, you, you they're picking the phone up. I'm telling you that right now. Um, they have a vision, but they also understand the 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 goal. This is a long term thing. In my opinion, signing Sean Walker is is very short sighted. You know, um, oh yeah, this is a guy that they could use a right handed D. Uh, they're they're rare. They're a coveted position. Exactly. Flip them for if someone's going to offer you first. You do it. If someone offers you a second and change, you do it. I said I said it back when uh, they got him. This is a guy that, that you could potentially get a second-round pick for if things shake out right. They're shaking out right and maybe even better. If you, if if Sean Walker turns into another first-round pick that you got back in it, because that's what it ends up being, another first-round pick that you got back for Provorov, you're telling me that you want Sean Walker over a first-round pick? And then, you know, the argument is, oh, well, it's going to be a late first-round pick. Don't forget, they have Florida's pick, too. You want ammunition, right? Because here's the other thing. People are going, ah, the Flyers are probably going to pick somewhere between 7 and, like, 15 if they keep it up at this rate, middle of the pack, yada, yada. So why wouldn't you want more picks to package and move up if you have a player in mind? Why wouldn't you want all that? Right, like it's not the same people, but what people are saying it totally contradicts. It doesn't make sense. Do you know what I mean, Jack? Yeah, and I'll, I'll go on record and say I don't care if it's a late second, let alone late first. That's a move you make. There's the the overall play of Walker is not there. It is this 22 game sample size that when we acquire a player like that and you Jim to your credit say like I don't think he's a throw and I think there's a potential bounce back here we could have something we could move and it works to this degree you don't abandon the plan right you, you, you know like oh he's playing so good that we need to resign him yeah if he was 24 years old by all means he's 29 eight, I'm sorry but you want to talk about not lining up with our rebuild I don't think so I think by the time they're good to go, by the time Mishkov's here, by the time they're actually not just getting in, like actually doing something in the playoffs, by the time they're at that point, he'll be 34 years old, 35 years old. And we, and we don't even know if he can sustain this going forward when he's relied to count upon 
against teams like the Rangers, who they look just wonderful against. Uh, teams against you know the top tier teams in the division. I, I don't I don't know if I see that. There's not enough background on this player from his previous play to say that is if if la who needs defense was so quick to get rid of him what does mm -hmm. that say i'm gonna need to see more than 22 games before i'm like yep give him a five four year deal whatever pay him however much and some numbers that i think are ludicrous especially if, if i'm sean walker and my if i'm only making two point whatever now uh, i'm 29 years old am i really signing for that little i'm a right-handed defenseman who had a so far a heck of a year I'm going to sign for just a million more for however long. No, this is my last chance to, to cash in unless I'm signing another one year deal, which puts all the pressure on the player, which I'm sure they do not want. So yeah, that doesn't make sense to me. I it just, I don't know what else we have to lay out to explain. Like, and it may not be doing the rebuild perfectly. Example, Morgan Frost, say what you will. Is it the end of the world? We both don't think so at the same time, not exactly ideal. But when it comes to this this defensive stuff, players, sealer, guys of that nature, it's pretty cut and dry to me. Pretty cut and dry. You look at their age, you look at their numbers, take the asset. Take the asset, rebuild completely how you are. You already have pieces here. You already have pieces working out. Don't be stupid. Don't fall for fool's gold and go for it. And I'm not even saying Walker would be bad. I'm saying that where he's at and where you're at, does not line up and it won't. So just take the assets. You can't go wrong and do your research and do what you do in the draft and make it work. So you mentioned Frost there. And in the beginning of the season, when they were doing all this benching stuff, I mean, the first things that, that we said were, you know, it's a long season. Injuries happen. They'll get their shots when it comes. You know, I don't think – too many people expected Bobby Brink to make the roster. I had said that he's absolutely going to make a push to make it. Didn't expect him to actually be on opening night roster. Um, so Noah Cates is out six to eight weeks with the lower body. With the, I think it en they ended up coming out and saying he broke his foot. Boom. There's your opportunity, Morgan Frost. Let's see what you're going to do with it now. Now you have to play. Now there's uh, – I mean, I don't think he's going to get benched again anytime soon. Um, but opportunities there. Injuries will happen. Mark's, uh, Mark Stahl got hurt. Samula saw some games. That's just the way it goes. It's a, it's a long 82-game season. You don't stay healthy all year long. Uh, you want to talk about Kate's uh, missing some time there, Jack, and, and Frost potentially taking advantage of the opportunity? I mean, it's almost like the perfect storm for all the BS you've been seeing on Twitter. Brink, Frost in the lineup at the same time. Young guys we need to see play. I like Cates, but let's be realistic. If we're talking offensive potential between Brink, I wouldn't have said this before the season, but between Brink, Brink Frost, and Cates, Frost and Brink are the guys we want to see break out offensively. Cates has a whole other dynamic to his game. He doesn't need to play right now. He can heal up and come back and do his defensive stuff and maybe pitch it offensively later down the road. We need to see offense, particularly from Frost. We need that toilet seat to be up. So not having – and this is where the one thing I'll agree with people who are like shitting on the quote-unquote rebuild is the Frost is it has been a little strange. Only because I'm not necessarily against not being in love with the guy and maybe you want to move on from him. But at the same time, you don't devalue his value. You don't make him disgruntled 
where other teams come in and be like, yeah, we all know he doesn't want to be here. So we're automatically lowballing you and working from there. You don't want to do that. So for that, I don't like that. This is a good opportunity to kind of climb out of that hole a bit. He's playing, play more consistently. Typically when players play consistently, they play better. They play their game. Now it's in Frost's camp. He's dealt with some bullshit for the first 22 games of the season. Hopefully six to eight weeks. I mean, that could be another 22 games. Hopefully these next 22 games, Frost plays them all and he proves towards that he deserves to stay in a lineup. And even if they still decide they're not a big fan of him, which would be shocking because they have very little center depth, they get something for him if they move him. That's ultimately what you do in a rebuild. So this is for an injury of this nature, even to a young guy, but prefer to be an older guy, but whatever it is, what it is. At least something good can come out of it. We don't have to talk about Frost being removed from the lineup. Same with Brink. I want Brink to stay in that lineup too. Sure, these guys can take an occasional night off or whatnot and work for wonders for Brink. That's not crazy. They can miss one night. Ball's in their court now, particularly Frost. So I, I'm, these next next chunk of games are going to be really interesting. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, so Frost comes back. Uh, Kate's, in my opinion, wasn't really – lighting the world on fire and maybe you know i think they said that he suffered the injury <laughs> excuse me in the first or second period of the last game and played the rest through it so his poor play was not due to his foot injury but maybe it comes at a and it's unfortunate but maybe he's one of those guys that kind of needed a mental reset you know because he wasn't performing to the standard that he set last season um i think, I think people worry because people overachieve and i'm not saying like that is who he is. But let's remember this guy was a, like a fifth round pick. How long ago? 2016 ish, something like that. Like, yeah, he could be something. I mean, so was Oscar Lindblom. Remember how high people were on the Lindblom fifth round pick. There's a reason they're fifth round picks. Now I'm not saying we're out on Kate's or anything like that, but it's not out of left field that a guy surprises you a bit and you start to expect things. And then that kind of regresses. I'm not looking for what could have been. I'm looking for what could be. And this is a perfect ex opportunity for Brink and Frost, especially Frost, to show what can be. You have a power play that's dying. This is a guy, Frost. He's a playmaker. If there's anywhere he's supposed to excel, it's on that power play. Now it's up to Rocky Thompson and Torres to an extent to put him on the power play. But once he's there, I, I want to. He's got to thrive. It, it's going to truly be his time to shine. All those calling that this would happen to Frost is bullshit. Rightfully so. This the underlining metrics matchup that he has been playing well. Let's get some results. Let let's let's do this. This isn't playtime anymore. Like you're here, you're you're not going anywhere. Make things happen. So very much looking forward to that. Kate's will be fine. Kate's will come back and ha and at least for now has some kind of role. More bottom six right now. Frost is only a top six player, and he needs to prove that. And with everything going on this season, this is a great opportunity to tell Torts, you know, you effed up, F you, this is who I am. Let's see who shows up. And you know what? I think Tortorella wants that. That's the kind of coach I think he is. You know, he's going to challenge a guy. Do you have it in you? Let's see. We'll see. Uh, I won't say anything negative. We'll see. I want Frost to succeed. Do I have my doubts? Of course. Um, okay. Let's move on to next topic here. The, the power play. So you mentioned the power play struggling. 
And yes, I think I saw that it's like seven for 79. Uh, I don't have the exact number in front of me. Believe it or not, it's not the worst one in the league, Uh, (laughs) which doesn't really say much. But uh, yeah, I mean, we talked about it. I think it was last week or a couple weeks ago. Just they got to get pucks to goal. And, uh, you know, they're going to run into the same issues. I think we we were talking about uh, who, who gets blamed for the power play in the group chat and uh, a couple guys wanted to blame towards uh, understandable because he's the head coach. Uh, everything kind of filters to him. Um, but also they have a coach responsible for the power play and that's Rocky Thompson. And in my opinion, the, the Rocky Thompson signing was weird from the start. Like what, when you think of Rocky Thompson, what's the first thing that comes to your mind, Jack? Challenging a player on his own team to a fight. Yeah, exactly. Like you don't think power play guru or power play specialist when you think of Rocky Thompson. So add that. So you have, you know, Rocky Thompson not known for power play specialty. (laughs) And then add in that you have a bunch of pieces and parts, good parts, but maybe parts that don't necessarily fit yet on the power play and you don't have a guy that's able to figure out how to make them fit play to their strengths, things like that. Um, and I think you get what you get now. Now I'm not even sure that fixing the power play is a huge priority for the team right now. To tell you the truth, we mentioned they're a rebuilding team. Um, I, I feel like they want to be good five on five and they're pretty good five on five. They're, they want to kill penalties. They want to do all the hard stuff. The impression that I get, and you you know, you could even see it with the way they're treating Frost, is they're going to do the fun stuff last. And obviously, you need power plays to win games. Um, but like the like scoring goals and stuff, all that's fun. Everybody wants to do that. Um, so maybe they're not so much focusing on um, the power play. I know they were working on it today. I'm going to say the same thing I've been saying until they have a defenseman or somebody to quarterback the power play that is a threat to get pucks to goal and can also, you know, uh, handle the puck, create space. Uh, There's a prospect I want to talk about later in the show that can do all this. Um, They're going to struggle on the power play. And I'm, I'm not sure there's a forward. Maybe Bobby Brink can facilitate but I'm not sure that he can get his shot to goal from the blue line either. You need a bomb from out there to reach the net. And it's not just shooting through guys. You have to find, you have to be able to work the defense to create seams, right? It's a skill to get the puck to the goal. It's not just, oh, I'm going to shoot the shit out of this, hope it bounces off something, yada, yada. You need skilled players, quarterback in your power plays. And Travis Sandheim's having an outstanding year. In my opinion, he's still not that guy. Cam York, not that guy. And John Tortorella's comments today, I think, kind of echoed that a little bit, where he even went as far as to say he wasn't sure he was an NHL player last year. This year, he's kind of asserted himself as an NHL player, more a defensive guy, which I thought was interesting. Because watching Cam York, I don't get, and I said it over the summer, that this could be a 30-point guy. I don't get the sense that he's going to put up big offensive numbers in the NHL when I watch him. He's just, 
I'm not. He just doesn't have, you know, that it that that it factor about him. When you watch a guy, you're like, yeah, this guy, like like Gossespierre. Even though we didn't like him towards the end, you remember watching him, Jack, and he had the it factor when he had the puck. Tony D'Angelo even has that. Cam York doesn't have that. Uh, and people are going to go, oh, so Tony D'Angelo is better than Cam York. Offensively, absolutely he is. For sure. They miss him on the power play. I'm telling you now, they miss him on the power play. So it's uh, it's going to take a while to get that fixed. It's not going to happen this year. People are going to piss and moan all season, but it's not going to happen. I think what gets me the most of the people complaining about the power play of these people who are also complaining that the rebuild is dead because they're not playing enough young guys, which completely is counterintuitive. Yeah. Uh, these young guys are letting you down on the power play. I mean, you got to almost got to go with all your veterans and hope you can make something happen. As far as the coaching, it comes down to Rocky Thompson. Now, like why else have assistant coaches at that point? And last I checked, the GM hires and fires coaches, not the head coach. So it is what it is. Yes. Was I a little upset that Tortorello first was like, I'm not going to talk about, about the power play. Yeah. You can hear the coach. You got to talk. You have to answer questions. It's part of the job. He eventually did. And you know, it doesn't look good for Rocky Thompson, but again, it's 22 games. You're in a rebuild. You're not technically supposed to be winning games, although the coaches are supposed to be winning games. You keep hearing the excuse about it's the personnel. It's a little, it's both. It's not, it's not just the personnel. That's for sure. It's definitely whatever schemes they're running. And I've seen, we've seen every goofy thing under the sun so far, but at the same time, it kind of is the personnel at the same time because they're young, they're learning and they're not meshing with the uh, older guys as well. That being said, you can't ask for all the young guys to play all the minutes. And then when they're not producing, <laughs> complain that they're not con- producing. Like it's, it's completely the exact opposite of what you want it to happen. I'm not worried about the power play today because I don't think this, the power play today has anything to do with what this team is going to do when they win. If they were playing bad overall, hundred percent, I'd have issues. They're a very good five-on-five team. Look at the numbers. They are maybe before the Carolina game, but they were like ahead of teams like the Avalanche, the Stars, the Devils. Like they're ahead of teams like that at five-on-five. You play the majority of the game at five-on-five. You cannot hate Tortorella and the way he's coaching this team. If you want to have issues with the the penalty kill, I'm sorry, the power play, because the penalty kill has been pretty good, like have issues. But overall, the team is playing well. And when this team is trying to win and the power play is actually supposed to be lethal, actually supposed to be something that is an advantage in the game, I'm not even 100% sure Tortorella will be here, let alone half the players on the power play. So getting upset about it now, it's just silly, unless you're really hell-bent on having Atkinson blow up so you could trade him or something like that. I would like to see a guy like York, at least on one unit, He's being outplayed by Sean freaking Walker. Well, now say what you will. I get it. Walker's been good, but where was uh, York drafted and who was he drafted over? He's going to need to pick it up. Who was drafted way after him? That's playing well, different position, but same draft class, Bobby Brink. York's he was brought in here. He was drafted to be a quote unquote, somewhat of a replacement for ghost. Now I will say this. I have no issues with him not producing today, as long as he produces tomorrow. 
If he gets his defensive game up to snuff to an NHL standard to towards standard first and then pitches it offensively, at the end of the day, I think you have a complete player. You don't have a ghost who gives you everything he wants offensively and gives you nothing defensively. You might have a better all-around player, which is better for the growth of this team and sustainability through the playoffs, if you ask me. We will That's see. Great point. <laughs> Yeah, great point. That's probably what's that's probably what's happening. You know, they want to, you know, if you want a long career as a defenseman, you need to be able to play the position defensively. And York is offensively gifted, as we've seen. Uh, I mean, just go back and look at his 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 numbers uh, as a kid. They're there. The goal scoring was never there, and I'm I'm trying to tell fans not to expect the goal scoring to ever be there. Um, so I, we'll see with Cam York. I thought it was interesting, though, that Torch said, hey, he's, he's looking like he's going to be a defensive guy. And it kind of made me wonder, well, let's say York is more the defensive guy in the pairing. Do they need to go out and get an offensive guy? Something like that. I don't know. We'll see. That's maybe a conversation for another pod. Um, we got about 15 minutes left there. We have a couple topics left. I want to get to our quarter mark um, discussion before we touch on Ovi and Corey Perry, Jack. Um, hmm. 22 games into the season, Flyers are 11, 9, and 1. What was it again? Or what are they? 10, 9, and 1? I will drag this out so I can look it up. 11, 10, and 1. 11, 10, and 1. There you go. There's 22 games. 23 points in 22 games. So... What do you think so far? 22 games in, where are you? I mean, usually what they say is if you're in a playoff spot by this time in the season, you're going to finish as a playoff team. I don't think I believe that at all, but what are your thoughts right now on, on where this team stands and what we've seen so far through a quarter of the season? I'm too confident in the teams below us outside of Columbus that they will figure things out and pass us. All I see in this team – on ice with who, the, the guys I know are going to be there, you know, beyond the tippets of those guys. I like what I'm seeing. I, I enjoy that. However, draft pick wise, I think it's going to hurt our draft pick position. I think we're looking at drafting 14 ish, 13, 12, which is like just missing the playoffs in that range. I think that's where they're at. I think they're going to be a bubble team all year. I think they're going to fall out and be like a distant bubble team, but never really in contention to be in the top five draft wise, which is a shame. It's kind of one of the worst spots to, to fall uh, in a rebuild essentially. Cause you almost want to just make the playoffs at that point and get guys the experience, but it is a decent draft. You can still wind up with a pretty good player. So not against it, but ultimately that's where I see them. I, and I do think they'll sell no matter where they are. If they're, in a playoff position, come to trade deadline. Like the, again, I, I say that saying like the very last. I still think they sell, um, and they should, because you have to be realistic about your expectations and your team and your ability. And to say, hey, we made the playoffs. We, look where we're at. Let's go for it. Is idiotic. It's stupid. Not saying to start not trying to win, but don't change the plan. Is all I'm trying to say. Don't deviate from the plan for this anomaly. It'd be silly. It'd be stupid. Um, and when the time comes, you better load up. But now's definitely not the time. Everything we've done and seen has told us that. So 
I actually forget what the original question was, <laughs> but I the where their their rank is right now. I they've overachieved already. They're now starting to get hit with some more injuries, and I do think those below us are going to pick up steam and pass us. I think the Devils are getting Heisher back. They had missed Hughes for a bit. I do think at some point they'll figure out the goaltending situation. The Pittsburgh seems to be on the up and up a bit. You know, I can see everybody passing us. Carolina just passed us. Not that it's a, you know, it's one point, whatever. They're a better team. They're going to pass us. These other teams are going to pass us. And then you have the other division that's getting better as well. They're going to get at least four good teams out in that division. I don't see them being there. I see them being hanging around at best. And just at the end of the day, we're going to look at our draft position and we're going to go. Yeah. That's that's what happens, you know. But they can make they can still make the best of it. You got to do your research and hit on your picks. Yeah, I don't know. So I was seeing some of that on Twitter today too about how they're killing their draft position, and I kind of wholeheartedly disagree with that. I mean, they had a hot start last year. Um. So here's the thing that's kind of messing things up a little bit. They have played 22 games. They have 23 points. Washington's played 18. They'll pass them. Uh, I would expect Nashville to kind of pass them at some point. I mean, they're going to get passed by a lot of teams in the standings here. The Islanders will pass them. Sabres, I expect to pass them. Devils, Penguins, of course. Flames, I don't know. We'll see what goes on with the Flames. They, they're kind of getting their stuff together. They had an extremely sl uh, slow start. Seattle, you would expect to contend for the playoffs. I mean – so the Flyers are one and three in their last four games, right? They kind of started this little Metro gauntlet. Yeah, they beat Columbus five to two, but let's let's not focus on that because we would expect them to beat Columbus. Three two loss to the Islanders, three one loss to the Rangers, a one-nothing shootout win over the Islanders, four one loss to the Carolina Hurricanes. There's a common theme in each of those games, Jack. You know what it is? What's that? not scoring goals anymore mm -hmm. against good teams. They're having trouble scoring goals. Well, yeah, um, but that's before Morgan Frost got a full starting role. <laughs> right. So they play tomorrow against New Jersey and that's potentially where, when New Jersey passes them, uh, we're looking at a back to back with Pittsburgh Saturday. And then Monday Pittsburgh's probably going to pass them. Then they go out West for a little bit, Arizona, Colorado, Nashville, you know, they're going to play well, and maybe they sneak out some wins, but the losses are going to start to pile up here, and it's not going to be for lack of trying. They're going to be in these games, but it's going to go how it went last year. It just is. You know, teams. there are teams that still are we're figuring things out, teams that started bad that weren't as bad as their start. You know what I mean? And for in, in the Flyers' case, there are teams that aren't as good as their start. Um. So I, I didn't get really held up in a lot of that stuff. And I also think, and this might sound a little, I don't know, but if if a guy's hurt, maybe they tell him to stay out an extra week or two, take your time coming back. I'll be surprised if Couturier plays in all 82 games. Maybe they you know, give him 10 games off or something like that later in the year. You have to remember the trade deadline. They're going to be shipping guys out. I mean, I don't know. They've scored uh, 
over one goal in their last four games just once. And it was when they scored twice. Like the game they won against the Islanders, they really got shut out. Right? They didn't score a regulation goal. Technically they did, yeah. So uh, I'm not – they're 11 – they're 500, you know, and and I don't know. And the losses are coming. I I kind of kept saying it, and I I don't mean to sound like a downer. I'm just trying to be realistic. They're coming. They're 5-6 and at home, 6-4-1 and on the road. Um, They're going to be – they're going to get passed here. Uh, by a, by a lot of teams, it's uh, there's a lot of parity in the league at, this year. It looks like, um, of course, you have you have your Vegas, you have New York, Boston, uh, Vancouver was one of those teams. Hot start, not as good as their start. Colorado had a kind of a slower start. They're kind of in the swing of things now. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's going to be the usual suspects, in my opinion, come the end of the year. Carolina started out three and four. They're thirteen and eight now. 10 and four in their last 14. I mean, things are just going to start shaking out um, to where I'm not worried. The, the, the draft pick will be there. It's going to be a top 10 pick. I'm, I'm sure. And you know, if they finish seven to 10, I think some people will be a little upset, but uh, it's going to, they're going to have a top 10 pick, you know, we'll see how low it gets. So I'm willing to meet you halfway. I agree with everything you said. The reason I don't see them in the top 10 um, is be just because other teams are going to drop as well as us. Um, I see a lot of the teams at the bottom, and even a team like Ottawa, I can see picking up some steam at some point. They there's they have they have played only 17 games, yeah, but teams have played 23. Right. You know, I but then again, I can see like Montreal could drop, Anaheim could drop, Columbus is already below a lot of these teams are already below them, Calgary could pick it up. I expect. Buffalo, New Jersey, Pittsburgh, the Islanders to pick it up. Nashville to pick it up. Mm-hmm. I mean, Washington's only played 18 games. They got one less point than us. Exactly. Nashville, I expect to be good. So, I mean, I expect a lot of moving and shaking. And when it all shakes <laughs> out, I see them, I'll say, just out of the top 10, which isn't horrible. I don't see think they're a playoff team, but I also don't see them as a bottom dweller. Remember how bad they were last year? How horrible they started out? how bad November and December were. Like, it was a 10-game losing streak, 13-game losing streak, and they still only had the seventh pick, and they had those kind of streaks. They are above 500, about to enter the month of December, and typically they tend to play better when they're out of the playoffs later months, you know, April, March, end of March and April. That's why I think that they'll be bad, they'll miss the playoffs, but I don't think they're seventh overall bad. I think they're 11th ish, you know, and it's, well, I mean, we'll see. We'll have a better idea of the prospects officially coming out come that time, hopefully a defenseman or two, but it it could, it could affect a tier a player versus a tier B player. You could see that, that jump. Who's your MVP through 22 games. This one's easy for me. I know there's a lot of debate, but I'm going Travis Konechny. Um, he's been absolutely phenomenal going back to well before last year, just sustainability before he got hurt last year. He really came out this year. It's like, he gets on that breakaway and two years ago, I'm like, I hope he scores last year. I'm like, he's probably going to score this year. I'm like, he's scoring. Like he's a superstar. Like he's just, he's on fire. Yeah. I mean, I look, he's not in the Matthews tier or anything like that, but he's an absolute stud. You're going to, you Mr. Reliable, awesome player. Love him. Going to suck when they move on from him. (laughs) 
So I don't I don't think he's gonna be around for the rebuild. Maybe I'm wrong. Absolutely love him. Before I move on, I want to hear yours. Uh yeah, so connect me when you watch him, he's on another level of than these than a lot of these guys, you know. Um my MVP. Um so I don't know if I really even want to call him an MVP, but he's certainly a guy that has taken advantage of the opportunity presented to him. And I guess that would be <laughs> Travis Sanheim. You took the other Travis. Um, can he do this through 82 games? Let's see. Um, you know, we'll see. Uh, but I like what I've seen so far. He looks like a different player. And he needed to be, quite frankly. So uh, I'll give credit where credit's due. Travis Sanham, I guess, would be my first quarter of the season MVP. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I wouldn't take it because I think a lot of that is more ex- expectation versus reality going into the season. He is the definition of overachieving. We were trying to get rid of him with any chance we could, and he's been – He look, he's right there in points. I have the, uh, the stats right here. 22 games played, 16 points, two goals, 14 assists, minus nine. Travis Konechny, 22 games played, 12 goals, 4, 6, 16 points, plus 9. Um, look, but I understand that Sanheim, he's a defenseman. The only reason I would choose Konechny over Sanheim, 5 on 5, Sanheim does get outscored. And 5 on 5 is where you play your game. Um, I will not I think, disagree with anything negative that you say about Travis Sanheim. <laughs> well, just to of, for, let you know. I think a lot of people will come out and say, well, it's got to be Sanheim. And the reason they think that is because the expectations were so low. And there's something to that. This is a good conversation to have. You know, like you have something in Sandheim with that contract. You have something you can either, God forbid, trade or just work with going forward. It's at the end of the day, it's a good thing that he's just in the conversation. And probably number two, because my number three would have maybe been hard, but after last night's game, Jesus, maybe I have some some real, real rough goals. He's still probably there. But you know, after after Konechny, San, I can't even say Couturier. He's starting to show shines of some some rust on his game as well. I think it's I think it's cutting day between Sanheim and Konechny, and I even think Konechny is a clear step above Sanheim. And I think that's where it, it is. is. It's been it's it's been a quarter of the season. I took the easy one because that's I think that's the answer answer. And I do think that Sanheim's a very good suggestion, but I'm going to tell you why I think it's Konechny over Sanheim, and that was pretty much it. It's good. Well, I, I I mean I agree with connect me um so i'm just looking at stats here and sometimes i hate looking at stats because when you watch the player it's like okay the stats are there but you know Mm. so sanheim sanheim last year 23 points 16 already this year last year he totaled 16 assists already 14 his career high in assists is 26 already 14 this year it's you know the, the the offensive numbers are nice to see, right? He's supposed to be an offensive defenseman. We're seeing the numbers. Um, something I thought was interesting is somebody posted like the top five scoring defensemen in the league, and by far Travis Sanheim had the most average time on ice. But nobody nobody wanted to mention that, I guess, which is fine. You know, he, he, that's a good thing if you can be out on the ice, you know, for almost half of the game uh, and, and put up points, but. I guess the point is the other four guys averaged less ice time and had just as many, if not more points kind of thing. I'm not poo-pooing Sanheim. You know, this is what we wanted. We wanted production from him. I'm just saying, like, God forbid. Like, I think Dave mentioned earlier in the chat that 
teams come knocking for Sandheim, do you trade him and get out of that contract? I would tell you the truth. It's good. That's an interesting conversation to have. Yeah. If you'd be getting freeing up a lot of money, but defensemen yeah. don't come, don't come cheap, and it's not like you have a ton in the pipeline either. Right. Um, okay. So real quick, let's rattle off a couple here, and if we can still fit in a, a scouting report, it's actually a defender. So it's a defenseman that's going in this year's draft. So it could be relevant. Um, before we get to that, we have comments from Alex Ovechkin, Jack. What did he say? I, I mean, I'm not 100% on the context, but I do know that he referenced when they were brought, him and Crosby were brought into the league and said something along the lines of, we save the league. Uh, just for a frame of reference, the league did miss the entire, uh, I think it was 04-05 season through, due to lockout in which Crosby and Oveshkin were essentially drafted right in those years, Malcolm as well. Um, I don't know what they saved. They were phenomenal players, for sure, top-of-the-league players. But the NHL wasn't going out of business. It just had a lockout, labor dispute. They needed to um, get the salary cap in place, among other things. Um, Oveshkin didn't go to the Cup till 2019, for Christ's sake, or 2018. So I, I don't know – what they saved. There was plenty of good players in the league. I did think that that's a talk about arrogant comment. And I've loved Oveshkin in his entire career. I love that he could break Gretzky's record, but to say you saved the league, um, you were really didn't get past the second round of playoffs for the majority of your career. So I, I have that find that hard to believe. I think it's silly. I think it's stupid. I think it's kind of like um, kind of spitting on the league a bit. And I, I just, I just wholeheartedly disagree. I'll say this: that Crosby did save the Penguins because they were going to move; they were bankrupt. Yeah, um, you say Gary Bettman saved the Penguins because how did they get the first overall pick, and then after a canceled season, still got like a top draft pick? Is that how that works? Yeah. I don't think so. That's weird. They were happening to be moving and threatening to move at the same time. Man, that's strange. Things that make you go, hmm. Yeah. Um, we already touched on – did we touch on Corey Perry? I brought him up before maybe in the beginning of the show. Did we talk about him? We did not. Good. Corey, uh, Corey Perry, what uh, what happened there? Well, I can tell you what allegedly happened, but that could get me <laughs> canceled because, wham, wham, let's pretend it's not true. Uh, don't drag my family through the mud kind of crap. Yeah, so let's just say what's out there. A rumor came out that Corey Perry boinked Connor Bernard's mom. That's a rumor. That could not be true. However, there's an awful lot of smoke coming from that fire, and this is the Chicago Blackhawks organization that we're talking about who covered up the Kyle Beach scandal and didn't seem to give a shit, the yes or now deceased previous owner. Um, yeah, so talk about life being stranger than fiction. Uh He's been cut from the team. His contract's being terminated. Not easy to terminate a contract in an NHL. I mean, you buy out guys, sure. You cut guys and still pay them, whatever. But to terminate a contract, you needed to screw up pretty badly. So I don't know what he could have done that would have gotten this to happen besides something of the nature of the rumor. And I don't know what sources you have. I'm just not stupid enough to pretend like something that got to this level of quote unquote rumor and then the player to be released. Come on. 
There's so smoke, I, there's fire. Come on, baby. I will say that uh, who did, who came out with it today? I want to say it was Sarah Valley. That said it was true. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> so uh, apparently what happened was uh, there was a, a team function or an organization function. Mom's trip. <laughs> yeah. Um, where I think Perry – so here's the quote here. An alcohol-fueled incident involving Perry was alleged to have occurred in Nashville on November 17th, the night prior to Chicago's game against the Predators <laughs> during a Blackhawks-organized corporate event that included sponsors and team employees in attendance. So, And then what's his name? Uh, Davidson, is that his name still from Chicago? That the GM, I can't, I can't remember his name. He well, came out and put a statement out. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, so I appreciate that they actually tried to address the rumor, whether people want to believe what they said or not. You know, it's up, it's up to people. Jim, um, Jimmy, Jimbo. You know, what drunken thing could possibly happen? That could get your contract terminated, a racist tirade, or boinking your teammates' mom. What else <laughs> could have possibly happened? Did he try to kill somebody? Uh, he take a steak knife out and chase people around. Like, let's be realistic here. We can pretend. Oh, he was really there was alcohol involved. Okay, great. I'm not stupid. You know, these people are trying to be stupid here. Like. What could he have possibly done that involved alcohol that could have got his contract, future, probably a future Hall of Famer, contract terminated from a drunken incident? Did he drink and drive? That would be reported. That's a criminal offense. That would be reported. Like, what could he have possibly done? The first thing that I that I thought of was this guy had to be belligerent, where he was, like, embarrassingly drunk. And, I mean, I, I don't know. You don't, I, get, you don't get your contract cut for that. Right. And so that's what people are saying now. It's like, okay, well, if he did something inappropriate or he wasn't acting, you know, he conducted himself in, in, a, in a wrongful manner, um, that's not illegal. You know what I mean? Uh, so <laughs> there's, this isn't over. This is going to be a thing for a little while here. Uh, I'm be. sure it's not, it's not the end of it. So Until they tell us what happened – Rumors are going to happen. Is sometimes I feel like I'm the only person living in reality. If you don't tell us what happened, and rumors start to circulate, and the best you can do is, oh, these rumors are just disgusting. So like, that's funny because I thought what happened to Kyle Beach was disgusting, but he didn't seem to give a shit then. So like I, nobody's going to believe Chicago. So they shouldn't even talk about it at all. He's been cut for no, not cut, terminated. Contract's going to be terminated after he clears waivers for no for no reason because he got drunk. Stop. Stop yeah. it. Something seriously went down. And we're not stupid enough in today's media age to know where there's smoke, there's fire. It, do we know everything perfectly to a T? Probably not. But I'm sure we have the parameters of what happened. Like, let's come on. Let's, we all go look at each other and be like, we're all dumb here. Come on. Yeah, we're, we're going to find out. That's for sure. I, I don't think, I mean, we're definitely not going to hear the end, which is, I'm sure what Chicago wants is, you know, next week we'll all be, uh, focused on something else, yada yada. But this is this is going to play out, and I'm sure we'll hear, you know, court proceedings, whatever's going to come down the road. So interesting to keep a tab on that. Um, 
what else, Jack? I think that's all we got for tonight. I can't think of anything else. Not a whole lot went down, and uh, we'll see how this week goes. I said the Flyers would go 3-0. They went 1-2, uh, so it is what it is. Very uh, or actually, I didn't I didn't include the Carolina game. That technically makes it 1-3. That was a bad game. Carolina was a rough game. Hart with one of the worst goals of the year he lets in. Um, measuring sick game against the Rangers. They got off to a really bad start, but other than that, I thought they played okay. Uh, they outplayed the Islanders in both games, if you ask me. They only came, came away with one win. Keep an eye on if Jim's right about how their scoring has started to fall off. I mean, the, power, the bad power play is certainly not going to help that. If that keeps up, we could see this team uh, drop like a stone in the standings. Yep, for sure. And uh, we'll see. New Jersey tomorrow night at home. And uh, a home and away with, with uh, Pittsburgh coming up Saturday and Monday. So that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, for Jack, I'm Jim. Everybody enjoy your night. And let's go Flyers.